Unofficial Bengals Podcast. Welcome to the Unofficial Bengals Podcast. This is your host, Frank LaPlaca, and I'm a Bengals fan for life. All right, in this episode, we're going to go over some headlines, and we're going to go over some questions that are on Bengals fans' minds, and the rest of the episode is going to be dedicated to free agency. I'm going to talk about the players that they signed and re-signed and their impact on the roster. Tom McLevy is going to come in for another McLevy minute, and he's going to talk about the front office in free agency. And then Sands is going to come by with his expert analysis, and he's going to do a deep dive into each one of the new free agents that we got. The Unofficial Bengals Podcast is brought to you by the Zedia Network. Bengals Headlines So the NFL announced there's going to be a 17-game season next year, and you can't give me enough Bengal games. I am beyond thrilled with this. I would take 40 Bengal games. I would take a Bengal game that lasted eight hours. That's how much I love watching this team. So the fact that the NFL added a 17th game is brilliant, really good news. There's only going to be three preseason games, and I think they're trending towards that in the future. There's probably going to be 18 regular season games and two preseasons eventually. So a couple transactions that happened over the last few weeks. They waived Geno Atkins. Really tough one. I wanted to see him retire as a Bengal. What a player. Fourth-round draft pick. Comes in undersized. Set the tone for Aaron Donald. Just an amazing career. And really, if you look at the numbers and the impact that he had, he should go to the Hall of Fame. He's going to have to get online because, unfortunately, he didn't go to a Super Bowl as a Bengal you know, we're a small market team, you know, everything that we've talked about in the past. He's probably not going to go first ballot, but I'm hoping that as the years go by, the Hall realizes that he should be in there. And there's a lot of fond memories of Geno through the years, you know, all the big plays. You remember him knocking over Deshaun Watson. That was always a, a big welcome to the NFL moment, really good hit. One thing that I really appreciated about his game, it was always the beginning of the game where he would just bowl over the guy in front of him. People didn't realize how strong he was. So this guard's going in. He studied tape on Geno all week. You know, you know, I got him. I'm ready to, ready to play against him. First snap, boom. Wow, this guy is way stronger than I thought. And if you look at a lot of his games, you see that in the very beginning of games. Total domination because they didn't realize how strong he actually was. You know, then eventually the double teams come. People do a little more adjusting. Slows him down a little bit. But, man, what a player. What an honor to have him on this team. Gino, I hope you go to another program where you're, you know, contending for a Super Bowl and stack up some good numbers and really let's lock that Hall of Fame in for you. Thank you for the service, my friend. You are a Bengal for life and you always ride with me. So they wave Bobby Hart. I know that's going to make a lot of Bengals fans happy. He didn't have that bad of a season last year, but there were a lot of plays. You know, there's that one example where you see him just put a hand on a guy and kind of just let him go by and Joe gets hit. The couple things that bothered me, and I mentioned them during the course of the year, where he gave up on plays. You know, he's blocking his guy, says, all right, play's over, and the play's still alive, and then Joe gets hit by the guy that he should have just kept finishing. So regardless to say, he doesn't have a good reputation around the league. He doesn't have a good reputation with Bengals fans. So it's probably a good separation for us. And Riley Reef is an improvement over Bobby Hart, and who knows what they're going to do in the draft. So it makes total sense. They saved a lot of money. They got rid of a player who wasn't necessarily a try-hard guy. Then Ryan Finley, the gift that keeps giving. Not only does he beat the Steelers for us in a down season where we needed it so badly, but we actually got some trade value for him. I'm blown away. Truthfully, if you look at the tape, I mean, maybe they looked at the tape at the Steelers game and they figured they could do something with him with his legs. 
But man, you look at the tape of his whole career, and that's not a guy who I would be trading for. So when we first got Ryan Finley, it was actually a trade in the fourth round where we moved up six spots, and we gave him two sixth-rounders. I know that sounds like a heavy price tag, but I think that year we had like four or so sixth-rounders. There was like so many. And when you have that many late picks, you know, it's a pain. You don't want to have that many bubble guys on the roster, and, you know, it's extra payroll and stuff. So it made sense with all those sixth-rounders that year that they dumped him, moved up for Finley, who had a really good college career. He wasn't the guy who threw interceptions. So it was worth the gamble. You know, we had him as a backup. He got his time. He got his chance. His biggest contribution was the Steelers win. But now, you know what? We moved out of the seventh round, and now we're back into the sixth round. So, you know, the sixth round in Ryan Finley seems to have something for us. So thank you. I'm going to track the player that they pick with that pick. You know, let's hope we get another Tom Brady type on our hands, like a a sixth rounder that's just this, this dynamite player. And then we can really say that Ryan Finley gave back. They re signed Kevin Huber. I wouldn't have it any other way. One of my favorite Bengals, consistent, solid, a team guy, loves the organization. So, you know, you expected to bring him back, and I'm glad that they did, so that's a no-brainer. Quentin Spain, I've been on record as saying he was the best offensive lineman last year. Very good pickup, one year, kind of a small deal, and he's going to fight for a starting spot. And Jordan Evans, you know, he's a veteran. I think the reason why they signed him is he's a veteran presence in that locker room. He's, he did good on special teams last year. He's never really a guy that's going to give you defensive snaps for the most part. I mean, you know, maybe get him in there with fresh legs and blitz a couple times, but mostly going to be a special teamer and a good influence in the locker room. Now, you know, the drawbacks to that are I think you could get an equal player late in the draft and not pay as much, you know, because they're going to have to pay Jordan a fifth-year player salary, which is, you know, over a million dollars. And that same spot could come from a rookie making, you know, less than half of that. But we'll see what happens. They'll probably draft a linebacker, and, you know, we'll see what goes on with Jordan Evans. But he's been here for a while. He loves the team. He transformed his body for this season, and it paid off because he got another year on his contract. Sean Williams goes to Arizona. I'm glad, really. I mean, you know, now that he was not going to be a Bengal anymore, you want to see his career continue. And they have a thing over in Arizona for Bengals defensive backs. You know, maybe he'll get a chance to get some playing time out there. And Mackenzie Alexander, my man, signed with the Vikings for like a million. In that, if 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 the Vikings are going to pay him one point one million for a one year deal, I don't see why the Bengals just didn't do that. I know they loaded up on corners when they got Hilton; it made Mackenzie Alexander obsolete. But you can never have enough good corners. You know, what if one of these guys goes down? What if Waynes has another issue this year? What if Hilton goes down? You know, you could have a, an insurance policy for basically the same price as a Jordan Evans, and you got a guy who was really productive last year who you can instantly put in there. You know, that would have been a really formidable corner group with Hilton, Waynes, Awuzier, and Alexander. But you know what? He went back home to the Vikings. I wish him well. He's going to obviously continue his career and do well. I hope someone gives him a big deal one of these years before he gets too old. But thank you for the service. It was a real pleasure having you on the roster last year, and you were one of the bright spots on defense. So they signed Eli Apple, and again, he was a first-round pick, number 10 in the draft, kind of known as a bust around the NFL, but, you know, we'll see. You get him on a one-year deal, he's played in 57 games, he's only 25 years old, he's long, you know, he's a 6'1 type of corner, Anarumo is a defensive back specialist, so maybe he can turn this guy's career around. Last year, he was fighting with hamstring injuries and foot and ankle, had a whole bunch of leg problems. So I think, as I always tell you guys, I, I wonder why teams don't resign guys or why guys get waived. In this case, it seemed like an injury issue where they didn't have the patience for him to heal up. But before last year, he played 15 games, 
and then 15 games the year before. So he he has been pretty durable. It just seems as of last year, he had a little bit of a breakdown. I hope that doesn't continue. A a really good depth pick, because you never know. He's got a high ceiling. To be the 10th pick in the draft, you have to have supreme athleticism. So maybe they can channel that and make him into a a solid player and, you know, hopefully get some snaps, some interceptions, and does the job for us. So welcome aboard, Eli. And Ricardo Allen, that's going to round out our safety group. There's not really much room in there, and, and I think that eliminates the need to draft a safety unless some really magical player falls to them. A one-year deal, the guy's played 77 games, started 76 of them, 11 career interceptions. He was a fifth-rounder, but still, with that kind of track record, he's a guy who's been a reliable starter for a long time, six years as a starter. He's only 27, and what he adds is a big locker room presence. From what I read, he wants to be a coach and he was very well respected in that Falcons locker room. So why not get another leader in that room, someone that can contribute? you got Jesse Bates on the cusp of being the best player in, in at his position. You have Von Bell, a proven veteran there. You have Brandon Wilson, the best returner in the league. And now you add this veteran who's going to get in there, help you out, get some snaps in, give some guidance. Great pickup. And like I said, you always look at why they cut these players. I believe that Ricardo Allen was more of a financial cut than a performance cut. It's going to be good to have another guy to rotate in there as well that has experience. So, you know, between these two guys, what do you have? You have like 130 NFL games played. And you don't get to play in that many games if you can't handle yourself. People aren't going to put you out there if you're a total liability. So even though Eli Apple was known as a little bit of a bust, that's a lot of games played. That's a lot of times where they they trusted him out there. Even though Ricardo Allen was discarded by the Falcons, that's a lot of starts. That's a lot of production. That's a lot of experience under fire. So these two signings can only help this team. Free agency. All right, so here we are in free agency. If you look at it, most of the good offensive linemen are gone. Most of the good speed wide receivers are gone. That's kind of what happens after the first two weeks, the frenzy. Now there's kind of slim pickings left. You know, I guess they can still try to get Trey Turner or Larry Warford. But, you know, no one's jumping on those guys either, so it's almost a little bit of a warning flag on why teams aren't jumping on them. I still wouldn't mind getting one of those guys. Like I said, I would love to add another veteran offensive lineman and then two more in the draft, and then we should be good there, hopefully, if we if we get the right guys. All right, so let's look at each position group and the signings and the re-signings and their impact on the roster. So at the quarterback position, they re-signed Brandon Allen. So he's going to be the inexpensive backup that has experience in the system. Hopefully another year in the system will increase his game. Obviously, Joe Burrow is going to be the man there. They're not going after any other free agents, it appears, and there's really no good quarterback free agents left. So they're probably going to ride with Burrow, Allen backing him, and you never know if they take a flyer on a quarterback late in the draft. Offensive line, the big one. So they signed Riley Reef and they re-signed Spain. So those are two additions to that line. We still need more. I've been talking to a few Bengal fans, and we, you know we're going back and forth on who was the best offensive lineman last year. I say Spain, some people say Hopkins, some people say Jonah. But I want you to think about this point. When Burrow got hurt against the Redskins, you had Spain in there, you had Jonah in there, and you had Hopkins in there. And that wasn't a dominant line. So really, the only thing that we've done is sign Riley Reef, who's an upgrade over Hart, so if they did nothing else, we're basically going in with the same group that you know Joe Burrow took a pounding behind. And I believe in these players. You know, I I think Jonah is going to be a reliable starter. You know how I feel about Spain and Hopkins. You know, he, his play is consistent. 
you know, not not at the top of the league, but solid. But they need to make some changes. You you can't go in. So basically, we're going to say we're going to go in with the same with unless they draft Sewell or unless you know we'll see what we do in the draft. They're going to take somebody high. So this is going to change what I'm saying right now. But if they just go in with the same line, only Riley Reef is the only change. I don't know if that's going to be enough to protect Joe. So we'll see what happens there. Again, love to have Spain on board. Riley Reef, everyone's happy about. You got to draft one or two. Let's go. Let's let's do this right. Running back position stayed pretty much the same. They re-signed Samaj P. Ryan. Great signing. He's going to be here for two years, which is good. Like I told you, the guy will run through a brick wall. Anything in front of him does not stop. Doesn't matter what's in front of him. He's fearless. He's a special teams guy. He's a good backup for Mixon. That can be a bell cow. You can give him 20, 30 carries in a game if you ever if you really needed to. So now that room looks the same as it did last year, and I'll take that. You know, you're going to have a healthy Joe Mixon. You're going to have Geo in there. You're going to have Travion Williams as the backup speed back, backup third down back, and he'll get probably more opportunities this year. And then you got Samaj P. Ryan doing his thing. So I'm really happy with the running backs room. Wide receiver, Mike Thomas. That's the only guy that they signed. They're losing Erickson. They lost John Ross, A.J. Green. So, you know, three down, and they re-signed one. And that really points to what they're going to do in the draft. They're obviously going to need to draft another receiver and get him in that mix. But Mike Thomas did well with Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow seemed to look for him and find him more than Thomas has ever been found in his career. So I think that he likes him as a target. He seems to run solid routes. But the main thing is, put him at gunner. Him and Brandon Wilson at gunner, you don't have to worry about that group. I mean, he really shined at that position. I don't know how much he played that before he came to the Bengals, but he excelled in that role. So here you got a guy who's going to come in and work his tail off on fourth down and make some big hits downfield. And then a guy that you throw into like an empty formation, you know, a fourth, fifth receiver that can get open, seems to have some chemistry with Burrow. So the impact on that position group is we still need a speed guy, and that's probably going to happen in the draft. Tight end, no signings, no re-signings. Everybody's back in action with Uzama and Sample leading the way. I don't know what they're going to do with Mason Shrek, but this leads me to believe that they're going to draft a tight end somewhere as well. And if it's Pitts, man, I mean, that could be a big difference maker. You know how I feel. I want to get the offensive lineman. But if they go with him as a tight end, that, that position is just solved for the years to come. All right, on to the defense. So they revamped the defensive line. You got Trey Hendrickson and Larry Ogunjobi in there. So now you, you have two new starters. Half of your line is going to be new. And the impact, well, you have an outside guy. You have an inside guy playing next to Reader. And you're going to have Sam Hubbard on the other side. Another position, like I said, I think they, they're going to need another defensive end that can be a three-down player. Hopefully they get that in the draft. And again, Khalid Kareem has a chance at, at getting a bunch of snaps this year too. So we'll see what happens with that group. That's going to be an evolving group. But to add those two guys makes it a much stronger unit. And you know the problems that we had last year. It All it takes is an injury or two, and now you're signing waiver wire guys and plugging them in. Hopefully this year that won't be an issue. Hopefully everyone stays healthy and we restock. You know, we have Tupo coming back, Ren coming back. Hopefully that solves the inside. And then you got your guys on the outside. They're probably going to need one more there. Linebacker, no changes there except they re-signed Jordan Evans, which we talked about before. So that room is going to be a bunch of young guys playing. You know, they're going to they're going to entrust Logan Wilson with being the man. Akeem Davis-Gaither is going to get his snaps. Marcus Bailey is going to come on and get a lot more action than he did last year. And again, he's going to be two years removed from that knee injury, so he should hopefully be more productive. You got Evans in there as a backup. You know, we'll see who else they bring in in the mix. Again, they're probably going to draft one as well because it looks like they're a little light there. And you know what I've been saying. 
They need a thumper there. Even if it's not a full-time guy, even if it's not a superstar, just a guy that you can put in on first and second down and know that he's going to stick his nose in there on the run and help. And a guy that, you know, when you have an intimidating linebacker or a linebacker that's a big hitter, receivers don't like going over the middle. Running backs have to be conscious of him. They don't want to get blasted from the side, blinded by this guy. So one more thumper on linebacker, and I think we're going to be good. Then defensive back is where they did the most work. You know, you got Hilton coming in, Awuzier, Apple and Allen, who we talked about before. They re-signed Brandon Wilson. They re-signed Jalen Davis, who had some action under fire against Pittsburgh. They re-signed Tony Brown, who's got a lot of experience, a special teams guy. So you add those guys to the group that's in place with Waynes, Bell, Bates, the whole deal. I think that's a pretty strong unit now. It seems like the unit that they wanted to pay most attention to in free agency. And you... You can't have enough good DBs. And again, like any position, a guy goes down or two guys go down, now you're scrambling. So this might relegate Darius Phillips to be more of a return guy since they have a bunch of guys that might have stepped in front of him on the depth chart. But he had a good year last year playing corner, you know, much better than expected. So, you know, we'll see what his role is this year. But, you know, when you add that many DBs, especially guys that are proven, very athletic, have good numbers, played a bunch of games, all these guys played a bunch of games in their career. So that's going to be a pretty solid secondary. And in the NFL right now, you need that. It's just a pass-crazy league. If you don't have some good guys back there, you're in trouble. And then on to special teams. They re-signed Clark Harris, you know, one of my top Bengals. They re-signed Kevin Huber. So that combination is just going to stay solid for another year. We don't have to worry about that. Get those guys a ring eventually, please. You know, they only got a few years left each. Let's go. And then Brandon Wilson, I know I talked about him as a defensive back, but, you know, he just re-signed the best kick returner in football for like a $1.5 million. I mean, that, that's a bargain. And he's been in the system for a long time. He can give you defensive snaps. So another one of my top Bengals and another very valuable Bengal. And a guy that hopefully is going to be fighting for the Pro Bowl this year. X's and O's with Sands. All right, we're here with Sans. Sans, how are you today? I'm doing great. How are you doing? All right, my friend. Let's do a rapid-fire run to the Bengals' free agents, the new guys that they signed, not the guys they re-signed. So let's start with Trey Hendrickson. Trey Hendrickson uh, obviously had all those sacks last year, 13 and a half sacks. I think he gets a worse rap from a lot of people than he actually is. Like, I think I would have rather kept Carl Lawson because he's more varied in his technique. He's longer. And I think he's a little bit more explosive. But, I mean, Trey does have the sacks. And also, he's a good player. Those sacks, some of them were coverage. Some of them, he benefited from uh, looping on stunts and stuff, stuff that's not extremely difficult to do. He's not a bad player. He's a good player. I think he's going to be solid for us. Yeah, I really like I really like what I saw because I was a little bit in the same camp that some people are where I thought, oh, he uh, benefited a lot. And then I watched some film and I'm like, no, no, he's he's an individual. He's a really good player. All right, what about Mike Hilton? Mike Hilton, uh, awesome. He's a slot cornerback that can kick in, play Sam linebacker, basically fills, run like, fits the run like a linebacker or a safety. He's very good against the run and then... I mean, he he must do film study on when he blitzes because he times up snap counts better than I think like a lot of defensive linemen can. Uh, he comes flying off the edge. He might be like our third best pass rusher this this year. 
should get plenty of sacks as well. A great addition in those areas. Uh, never been an amazing cover guy, but he's not terrible at it. He's not bad at it. He should be solid there, especially in zone coverage. What about Chidobe Uzier? Uh, Chidobe Uzier is a guy I actually had a, like a draft crush on, so I feel a little bit biased because <laughs> I think he's solid. I think he's good. I, I think he's a low-end number one corner. He's uh, just... I think William Jackson was a little bit better, but I think that Chidobe is going to do fine out there. He's a little bit better playing off. He's not a press man corner like Will was. He's a little bit better playing off, playing catch, and playing zone. So uh, we just got to utilize him that way. It'll be nice for him. Uh, we have a much better free safety than Dallas had. Uh, Xavier Woods was constantly just trying to take people's heads off, hitting his own player, hitting the other player. Uh, now we, he's going to play with a guy in Bates that's going to, instead of taking his head off, he's going to take the ball away, hopefully. Uh, Joby, he's really strong. He has some really high highs. PFF isn't everything, but I remember week one, he, I think, was their best defensive player in that game. Just overall for the week, he was either the best defensive tackle or something, like a 90-something rating, and they're usually not that far off. When I watched him, he's really strong he's a little bit inconsistent and he sometimes will get those um offsides and neutral zone infractions that are gonna be a little frustrating but i think if the defensive line coach works with him a bit on jumping off the ball but not jumping off sides he's gonna be really solid i think he's really strong and he's got some good guys to work around dj reader and yeah, he put a little out position for cleveland they put him at one tech zero tech a little bit he's a three tech and we already came out and said that he's going to play three tech for us what about riley reef you know what sans i actually heard that you know he had i think he let up one sack last last season but i heard that his play has been on the decline no i think his play has been the same as it's been since basically detroit <laughs> i didn't see much decline his uh run blocking has never been amazing he's um more of a solid pass protector. The weird thing with him is he's a two-hand puncher, which is something that's kind of old school. Uh, some guys don't even want you to do it at all anymore, but he's really, really technical with it. He's He's got great timing with it. He always plays with good leverage, getting underneath the defensive player. The only thing you really got to watch for is a swipe can beat that really quick. It's actually what happened to Jonah against uh, Josh Sweat. Jonah tried a two-hand punch and Sweat swiped both the hands away at once. and He knows it. So he does a he does this one move where he pulls his hands back. I don't know if he times up uh, when his opponent's going to swipe. Like uh, on the third step, this defensive end likes to throw out his move, and so I'm going to pull my hands back on his third step, and then I'm going to engage him. Uh, it was really nice to see stuff like that. Uh, he even played right tackle for Detroit in 2016. I love that analysis, Sands. What about Eli Apple? Eli Apple, I haven't watched a ton of, but he was a first-round prospect, and he played in a scheme at Ohio State that's pretty similar to ours in Cincinnati. Uh, a lot of the single high stuff, and that was with Malik Hooker, who uh, was a fantastic college uh, post-safety, and now he gets a fantastic NFL post-safety in um, Jesse Bates. I really think he's mostly a depth signing. I mean, last year against Pittsburgh, I think we remember we were down to – Hopefully I don't get any names wrong. Was it Winston Rose and Jalen Davis? 
I don't know if Rose played that game, but it was definitely Jalen Davis. I don't know if Tony Brown was in there, but yeah, it, we were down to those, you know, number six corners on the roster that game, definitely. Yeah, I think uh, Eli's definitely better than that. I mean, now if it goes down, we get a few injuries, we'll be starting like Darius Phillips and Eli Apple, which to me, that's not terrible. That's not ideal to go into a season with, but with injuries, that's that's really good depth. Good point. Uh, what about Ricardo Allen, last guy? Ricardo Allen kind of plays a little bit of that box safety. Sometimes he plays deep, sometimes he plays coverage. Uh, he's kind of like a roving safety. He can do everything. I think what he was best at in Atlanta was playing some uh, some of the slot. That's something that a safety a safety that can cover the slot is really valuable. It's uh, it's something you wish that uh, Von Bell was better at because we tried it out a little bit and he wasn't doing a fantastic job with it because, I mean, if you can cover the slot with a safety, you can disguise your coverages better. You can play more coverages. There's just a lot you can do with it. But he's another guy that's depth. Uh, we have a guy in case either Bell or Bates gets hurt since Sean left to Arizona, I believe. We needed another safety in there just in case of an injury. And what do you give the Bengals overall in free agency at this point if you had to grade them A through F? Oh, uh, definitely not an F, but I also don't think it's an A. I think, I think I'd go with a B. I'd love to see another offensive lineman signing, maybe like a B minus. I mean, no other way around it. We kind of downgrade a little bit at cornerback, not nickel cornerback. I think uh, Hilton's awesome. We both thought McKenzie was also really, really good. So we moved from really good to awesome, which, you know, I don't think, I don't know if that's a huge difference, but I think it's a different player. Like McKenzie wasn't blitzing off the edge and stuff and providing a pass rush. Yeah, outside cornerback, I think we downgraded a little bit. Edge rusher, I think we downgraded a little bit, but we upgraded right tackle by a lot. Uh, we got some key depth at uh, defensive line with Ogan Joby. I mean, safety to me was kind of a wash, too. I think Allen and Williams are somewhat similar. Uh, Allen's a better uh, coverage guy. Williams a little bit better in the box. So, I mean, it's like a B, B minus. I think we improved just a little bit, but I really wish we would have made a statement and gotten like Joe Tooney or Corey Lindsley or any of those big-name offensive linemen. I would feel so much better about free agency and just the team in general if I knew that our offensive line was like, we had Jonah, I mean, even if we didn't have Reef, we had Tooney, and then you're looking at adding somebody with the fifth pick or the 38th pick to fill out the rest of the offensive line. A player of Tooney's caliber coming here would have been awesome. Sands, what about the Mike Daniels re-signing? Oh, I'm pumped, yeah. <laughs> he's a great depth, uh, he's, he's a great leader, he's a great teammate, he's awesome. And, I mean... Personal connection is that he's actually interacted with me, and we've had uh, we've talked before. It was awesome there too. But uh, he's an, he's a really really strong three technique that's very good against the run. I think a little bit of an underrated pass rusher. We don't really use him that way, but he did bully Brandon Scherf. I mean, one of the best guards in the league. He bull rushed him to the ground, takes on double teams, penetrates in the in the run game, which is huge in these all these zone runs now. I mean, he's he's awesome. He does all the little things that nobody notices, and it's not flashy. But somebody like me that's watching every 
game coaches film, I'm going to notice that, and I think it's awesome. How do people find you on social media? Uh, Bengals underscore Sands on Twitter. McLeavy Minute. All right, we're here with Tom McLeavy. Tom, how are you today? Frankie, how you doing, pal? All right, my friend. So what are your thoughts on the Bengals and free agency, front office? Just, you know, what's your take on things so far? Well, I mean, they, they're, they're really concentrated on the defensive side of the ball. You know, with the I mean, the one thing that I'm sort of happy about is they're letting the drafted guys walk. Um, usually that's their M.O. to, oh, we'll resign our own, but you know, the defensive backfield now are all new and they let Williams, William Jackson, you know, letting those guys walk, you know, Carl Lawson. So that's a nice change to see. Those guys, you know, even though they drafted them, they didn't bring a lot of wins. So uh, they are going outside to get guys for this team. The question mark is the offensive line. I mean, they signed Reef. You know, they uh, re-signed Quentin Spain, uh, but one-year deals. You know, that's a question mark. And you know they're gonna, somebody's going to get hurt. You know, it's once you put on a Bengal uniform, for some unknown reason, a uh, uh, top contributor will get hurt. You know, it looks like they're going to concentrate on the offensive line in the draft. I know Twitter is... Uh, Picking up steam with them taking chase at wide receiver, I just don't see it. Hopefully that uh, Sewell goes to them. He posted a picture of himself in a weight room just recently, a day or two, and man, he looks big. Even though uh, Reef uh, signed a one-year deal, what a great guy to learn from. The question mark, can he play guard? I mean, listen, you got to trust the, the drafting of the Bengals, which has been sketchy lately. Duke Tobin, you know my feelings on that. You know, if they got to weigh it out, is there a big difference between Sewell and Slater? You know, I do like some of the, the moves they did on the defensive uh, line, getting, uh, I'm not even going to try to say his name, the guy from Cleveland for the defensive tackle. That was an excellent signing. You know, hopefully him and Reeder can form a nice one-two punch in the middle there. They addressed Hendrickson signing. I wish they would have really nailed down uh, Kerrigan. Maybe they can still, I don't think he's signed with anybody yet. Maybe they can land him eventually. And with the new defensive backfield. So, yeah, they, they did some good moves on the defensive uh side yeah and tom good point about kerrigan you know i i mentioned earlier i thought they might need to take like a defensive end or an edge rusher in the draft but there might not be room to get a good one if you you know you pass the second round on that i i agree he's a veteran he's a reliable player i mean he hasn't signed yet so maybe uh teams are waiting till after the draft to get their feeling on their team needs after the draft so yeah, hopefully they can uh, they can nail him down, and that side of the ball looks to be a, a, a nice makeover. So as you guys know, I go on Bengals.com a lot. I love reading the columns there. Whether I agree or disagree, it's still very good entertainment. 
it's inside information in a lot of cases. So, you know, really informative stuff. And whenever they do a Hobson's Choice article, I like to give my opinion on it. So here it is. I know I normally make it a, a bit, little bit of a longer segment. So I'm just going to rifle through these questions. And this is the new test here is this is the first time I'm seeing the question. I'm just going to read it really quick. And I'm going to give a quick answer on each one of these. Kind of a new segment on the Unofficial Bengals podcast. So here we go. First question. Defensively speaking, a lot of one-year contracts, a lot of new faces loaded up on DBs, lots of moving parts. Takes time. Your thoughts? I agree. It takes time for a defense to build chemistry, and especially if you're not going to have a preseason to do it. But again, they brought in players with a ton of experience. You have a lot of time. When you're an NFL player, all you have to do is study your playbook and study your opponent and do your homework. Keep your body in shape. Do your homework. A lot of times you think there's a big learning curve for people. But if you just make that your life, I think you're going to get it. So hopefully the moving parts, the one-year contract, all the new guys we're able to build some chemistry with. I'm going to say it's more of a positive than a negative. Next question. Do you think the Bengals would move back with a trade to the number 10 spot for Dallas's round three and round four and swapping picks? No way. For someone to move up that high, a third and a fourth round pick, no no chance. It's got to be a first or a second round pick in the next year. I wouldn't do it for anything less. What's the rationale for breaking the bank on a 6-25-1 coach for two years when they only provided Marvin Lewis with free agent leftovers and released treasured veterans to gain compensatory picks? Strong take. I hear you. 6-25-1 is not good. No one's happy with it, including Coach Taylor. But what are you going to do? You know, we're talking about the past. You're right. In the Marvin Lewis era, and I pointed out last episode, you know, they got a lot of second-tier free agents. It wasn't, they weren't going after marquee guys, and they were always going for those compensatory picks. So I I agree with you. I didn't like the philosophy that they were using back then. But it is a new day. We're approaching things differently now. We have a little bit of a younger regime in the front office. So you have to do it. What You're just going to, we can't just soak over the past and say, wow, this is what we used to do. Why are we doing this for Zach Taylor? Yeah, because you want to win. You want to get as many good players as you can. Break the bank every year. I don't care if we go 0-16. Break the bank. Next, the Bengals have been active in free agency. Please write an article detailing which free agent signings have eliminated some pre-free agency team needs. All right, well, so you can make the assumption that because they have an edge rusher, they're, they're going to not be looking at that as early. They eliminated the need to get a corner or a safety because they really stocked up on them unless some you know really magical player falls. They're not going to need to go for any running backs with the re-signing of Piran. So free agency has freed us up a little bit in the draft. Uh, defensive tackle, they don't have to chase one as early as they would have. So, you know, let's go offense. Let's get those offensive linemen that I keep rattling about. Let's get another wide receiver. Let's think about tight end. Let's get a linebacker. We'll go over that in the draft preview, but yes. Any whispering about taking tight end pits in the first round? Yeah, and we're going to go over this more in the future episodes, but... You really can't lose, and I'll talk about this more, but you, you really can't lose with Chase, Pitts, and Sewell, any one of them. You need the offensive lineman, but, I mean, Pitts could be a generational guy at, the, at that position. So if they drafted Pitts, I wouldn't be upset, but they better go heavy in offensive line right after that or trade up, too. You can't just ignore that position and, and put third, fourth, and fifth rounders in that offensive line and think you're going to change things. Have the Bengals abandoned their philosophy of re-signing their players? That was a philosophy that I thought was hurting us, so... It seems like by letting all these guys go, maybe they're starting to get away from that. I mean, and they did resign the key players that they needed. You know, your Huber, your Harris, your Wilson. You know, they, they have re-signed a few guys, but they haven't broke the bank on their own free agents like they did in the past. 
And going back to the question before, when you're 625 and 1, maybe those aren't the players that you want to hand a ton of money to. So let's bring in some new blood, see what happens. I was sad to see AJ and Gino go. I understand the business side, but it would have been nice to keep two Hall of Famers. I, I agree. I agree. I wanted to see both of those guys retire as Bengals. In AJ's case, it felt like the injuries were starting to catch up to him and the play was starting to decline. And, I mean, you could say the same about Geno's season last year. Hopefully that changes for both of these guys. So that's really what happened. You know, you had guys that, even though they're Bengals legends, they're starting to fight injuries, they're starting to get a little older. And, you know, I guess money talks, unfortunately. So it's not like the old days, you know, where you you have a guy and you just grandfather him in, you, you sign him to another deal, put him on the roster for 12 years, let him retire, and ride off into the sunset. Very rarely happens for anybody. I mean, even look at Brady and Peyton Manning, even those guys at the end of their career found themselves having to look for a new team. I've been reading your column forever. What do you think will happen with the O-line, and who do you think should be the first lineman drafted? You grab Sewell, and then you go up and you find the best guard that you can possibly get, and you draft him too. And then you see another tackle that has a chance to be a starter, and you draft him too. How's the Trey Hopkins rehab coming? You know what? That's something I'm going to have to leave to the experts. I don't know. I heard that it is coming along well, and I heard that he was training with Joe Burrow. Trey Hopkins is undrafted, and he worked his way into the starting lineup and actually beat out a first-rounder for that position. So you know this is a hungry player who wants it. So he's going to approach the rehab in the same way, and I'm confident that he's going to be ready to go very early in the season. And, you know, we'll see if he's going to be the main starter or if they, if they, you know, do something to replace him. But either way, Trey Hopkins is going to do everything he can to get back to where he was, and I'm confident that he will. The Bengals now understand the importance of protecting Joe Burrow and are changing. There were a few 2020 games where the Bengals should have won, but didn't seem to know how. How can Burrow slash Taylor install a winning culture in 2021? The only way to win is to be prepared, come in with a good game plan, hustle the whole game, have your big players make big plays, have guys not make a lot of mistakes. You know, it's always a breakdown on one level. Oh, the offense played great, but the defense let up 200 yards rushing. Or the offense and defense played great, the kicker missed a field goal at the end. Or, you know, there's always one failure. So it's almost a myth, like, of not knowing how to win. Everyone knows how to win. All these guys come from winning high school and college programs where they were probably winning most of their games. So it's not like guys don't know how to win. It's just a matter of making sure that each position group pulls its weight. And that's going to go on the coordinators. You know, the coordinators do their job and get those guys prepared and they're confident that the roster is stacked with good players, then that's how you build a winning culture. That'll do it for this episode. Next episode is going to be a draft preview with some special guests, and then the following episode is going to be another roundtable with Tom McLevy and Sands. I'd like to thank at Bengals Highlights on Instagram, the best page out there. Really cool highlights, really cool music, definitely something you should check out. Thank you for listening to the unofficial Bengals podcast. This is your host, Frank LaPlaca, and I'm a Bengals fan for life. The unofficial Bengals podcast.